0: Chapter 28, in verses 1 through 5, I want to read. I want to title this A Tale of Two Brothers. And I want to contrast the lives of Jacob and Esau and how much different their lives were. (coughs) Excuse me. And so from Genesis 28 and verse 1, and Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan, arise, go to Padan Aram. To the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father. And take a wife from thence to so the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. And God Almighty bless thee. Notice he, he's saying, I'm not giving you anything. He said, God Almighty bless you. God will make you fruitful. God will multiply you that you may be a multitude of people. And God will give you the blessing of Abraham to, to thee and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land wherein you are a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. And Isaac sent away Jacob and he went to Padan Aram unto Laban the son of Bethuel the Syrian the brother of Rebekah Jacob and Esau's mother. Esau was probably pretty young when he sold his birthright to Jacob his brother. So we don't know how young. I don't think the Bible identifies their age, but you know the story Esau comes in and he says, you know, he, he apparently he's been hunting and he says, you know, I'm really hungry. And, you know, I'm going to die if I don't get some food really quickly. So, so Jacob, taking advantage of that opportunity, said, sell me your birthright uh, for this little bowl of pottage. And so that's how Jacob stole the birthright of Esau. And so the deal was that whenever Esau, when it would come time for his father to die, that Esau would allow Jacob to inherit that inheritance that Esau should have gotten. So you see, there was a difference between a birthright and a blessing. So birthrights were given, obviously, because of the order of birth, whereas blessings was something else that was identified. But that's, So the difference between the two was evidenced by Esau's words after Jacob stole his blessing. Look at Genesis 27 and verse 36. This is after, after Isaac has mistaken Jacob for Esau. And this is, this is from the words of Esau to his father Isaac. And he said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me also? Now, Esau was blessed, even though he was not blessed in the same way that Jacob was. <clears throat> but the birthright was an honor that was given to the firstborn that bestowed head of household status and the right to inherit the, his father's estate. So the son with the birthright would receive a double portion of whatever was passed down to the kids. And so, and so Esau had sold his rights to that birthright very early in his youth. However, it's important to note that when Isaac and Rebekah sent away Jacob to his uncle Laban's house, that they literally sent him away with nothing but the clothes on his back and what he could ride. Jacob did not inherit anything from his dad, not a single thing physically, materially. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. But Jacob wasn't exactly a man of the field. This was no cowboy. This was no, no young man, probably in his early 20s perhaps, that enjoyed sitting around the campfire and sleeping on the ground. You know, he wasn't the manly type. Apparently, from Genesis 25 and 27, the Bible says, And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. This word plain man from the Hebrew, many translations translate this as quiet man. And also plain in the Hebrew is the same word for gentle as well. And so he was the quiet contemplative type who loved to stay home. He was probably an introvert, no cowboy hunter. Like his brother Esau, he wasn't the manly type, okay? He didn't smell like the outside. So it must have been tough for him to sit out on this journey by himself. And very quickly, it became more difficult than he had ever bargained for. Genesis 28 and verse 10 says this, And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night, because the sun was set. And he took the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. They remind you that, that this, is out, this was outside of the walls of any city and outside of the protection of any city. So Jacob was very much left out to his own with the, to, to fend for himself with the coyotes and the hyenas and, and I don't know, whatever else kind of wild beasts might have been out there. As well as any thieves or robbers that might have been lurking in that place. In addition to that, the wanderings of Abraham and Isaac, his grandfather, were, were in the land of promise. But, and even although Jacob was still at this present time, at the time of this reading, he was still in the land of promise. He was on his way out of the land of promise to his uncle Laban's house. So how contrasting his life must have been. When he knew of the promises that God gave to Abraham and Isaac, and now Isaac, his father, tells him, get out of the land of promise and go down to Uncle Laban's house. He's got nothing but the clothes on his back. He's not a cowboy type, you know, a guy that enjoys being away from home. He's the quiet, contemplative type, kind of a mama's boy. okay? And now he's kind of out. He's kind of forced into this uh, situation. But God, God came to Jacob in that difficult place in a dream by night. Having left his father's house with nothing but a blessing and now being forced to sleep in the cold night, far from a city of protection and having a rock for his pillow, it must have been a tough night for him, but God came to him anyway. And isn't it amazing how God always comes to us in our most difficult times of our, in our moments of life? He never leaves us alone. Look at, what look at what God did for Jacob. Verse 12 in Genesis 28, and he dreamed and behold, the ladder set up on the earth. And the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon you lie. To you will I give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. Thou shalt spread abroad to the west, the east, the north, the south, and in, the, and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee and will keep you in all places where you go. And will bring you again into this land. See, he's leaving it. And, that I, and I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken to you of. So, first of all, God reminds Jacob of his great blessing that is still yet in store for him. Probably because Jacob was in a place where his faith was pretty low. And God was using this dream as a means of encouraging Jacob in his faith. But there's a hidden gem here that God gave to Jacob that Jacob probably never fully realized in his lifetime. And that was the vision of the ladder extending from earth to heaven and the angels going up and down on it and the meaning of that particular vision. Now fast forward a couple thousand years and Jesus is is, uh, looking for disciples. In John chapter 1 and verse 47 says this, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Nathanael said, Whence do you know me? Jesus answered and said, Before that, Philip called you when you were under the fig tree. I saw you. Nathanael immediately answered and said, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said, him, because I said unto you, I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said unto him, Verily I say unto you, Hereafter you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of man. So first of all Jesus said he knew Nathanael was under a fig tree. And Nathanael immediately responds and said, "Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel." Why didn't it, what prompted that response by Nathanael? And it was because when Jesus said, "I saw you under the fig tree," history tells us that the most devout Jews would pray under fig trees. And so whenever Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you, it wasn't that Jesus could physically see where he was, but Jesus was saying to Nathanael, I see that you were praying there. And I heard that you were praying there because you were praying to me. And that's why Nathanael immediately fell on his knees and said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Peter was not the first one to get that revelation, my friend. It was this disciple by the name of Nathanael. And Jesus, because he was the son of God, Nathanael would see Jesus himself as being the ladder that Jacob saw in his dream. Jesus... Nathaniel would see Jesus in his mediatorial role between God and man. And that was the dream that God showed Jacob that you are far from your land of promise right now. And it feels like you are far from me because your character is out of alignment with my will. And you know that you are a deceiver. But there is a God that is a mediator and will one day mediate you and wash away your sins. So when God showed Jacob in his dream that night, was far more than earthly blessings he would be blessed with. It was a revelation of the mediatorial sacrifice the Lord himself would make one day for all mankind. But how often are we so caught up in earthly blessings that we miss the most important blessing, and that is simply the blessing of being saved, sanctified, and made right with God. Because Jacob very well might have been caught out with, you know, at this point, I've left my land, I'm, I'm going outside of my land to promise, and, and here I am out in the middle of nowhere, I got a stone from my pillow, and, and woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. Esau is so much more blessed, and he's not even living for God. And sometimes that can be our attitude, that people in the world seems like they are do better, doing better than us. But my friend, there is one thing that you can never forget, and that is that when the hand of God came on you, you were chosen to go through a process of sanctification and cleansing, amen, so that one day we can be presented faultless before his throne. But instead of Jacob's comfortable bed or a warm inn at the side of the road, he spent his first night sleeping on the cold, hard ground without any kind of physical shelter and a stone's for a pillow, but he was blessed. And don't ever forget that regardless of how little it may seem like you possess in this life, you have an inheritance that is far beyond this life that cannot ever fade away. But Jacob did make it to Laban's house, and he spent 20 years being cheated by his uncle in the same way that he himself had been a cheater for the first portion of his own life. And God, true to his word, uh, and, and God, true to his word, and the blessing that was pronounced over Jacob years earlier uh, did indeed bless Jacob, despite his uncle Laban's attempt at cursing Jacob. And my friend, whenever God chooses to bless you, no man can ever take that away. Amen. Man cannot curse you if God has blessed you. Balaam shows us that. Balaam said, let me, he went to God and asking God, can I curse God's people? Can I curse your own people? And God said, no, you cannot curse it because I have blessed them. Amen. But at last Jacob fled by night after 20 years of spending their time with his uncle Laban and left with his two wives and all that he possessed. And Laban very quickly pursued. Now, whenever we get to that story uh, about the middle 30, 32, 33 chapter, 33rd chapter of Genesis, and we read that, what was Laban concerned most about when he met up with Jacob? his household gods. And there's a reason for that. Archaeologists have discovered the place where Laban lived had a law that if you were in possession of the household gods, you could actually lay claim to his land in court. And that's why, probably why Laban pursued Jacob so hotly was even after 20 years of being cheated, some of Jacob's character was still intact because he fled from Laban by night. And although it was not him that had direct possession of the household gods. It was his wife, Rachel. Jacob still might have used that to claim possession of Laban's land, if not for this story, where they laid those stones down and said, if you crossed... These stones, then God be witness between us and you that, it will, that you will not do it to harm me or to lay claim on my land or anything of that sort. And had that story not happened, Jacob might have went out of the land of promise and laid claim. See how even the things that, that it seems like are working against us in our life. Still really was working for us because god was 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 putting parameters and boundaries around Jacob, and while Jacob was trying to discover the one true God, God was trying to get Jacob face to face with his own identity. you know it's never recorded that Esau went through difficult times now, if he did, he might have i i don't know but but it doesn't seem like that we read about it. Matter of fact, whenever Jacob sees his brother Esau for 20 years, the report Esau gives of his fortune is a glowing one, confident one of constant promotion in good times. Oh, no, my brother, I don't need anything that you have to give me. I've got everything I need. And while Jacob, although he was richly blessed far beyond his brother, Jacob's life is filled with troubles and trials and misfortunes and pain. Every turn, as a matter of fact, at the end of his life, whenever his son Joseph passed away, the Bible insinuates strongly that Jacob's spirit died within him too. And when he met up with Pharaoh right at the end of his life, as he was going into Egypt, he would spend the last 17 years of his life in Egypt surrounded by his kids because God ended his life well. But when Pharaoh asked, "How, how, how are you? How has your journey of life been? And Jacob said, my years have been fewer than my father's and full of trouble. Jacob's life was full of heartache and pain. But Jacob was blessed to go through all of that. For had God, not le- had God left him alone in his cheating character, he would have never have become the mighty nation that God intended for him to become. And if you've got a kingly blessing, you can rest assured that you will have a kingly trial that is ready for you to go through. Because the anointing is not free. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cause some heartache and tears and disappointment. But out of that, God begins to bleed out your character. And he begins to allow his character to shine through. And as Jacob is getting ready to meet his brother after 20 years, the Bible says this in Genesis 32 and verse 1. And Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host. And he called the name of that place name. And Mahanaim means two armies of angels. Later that day, he would split up his family. Remember when he split up his family into two different categories, one for each army of angels. That's why. Because now he fears his, his brother Esau, but he's confident that God has sent his angels to watch over him. And contrast that with years earlier, how he fled from his brother, fearful and worried and with nothing. But now his faith in God was a little bit stronger than it was back then. And when Jacob met Esau, Jacob did not go empty handed. He came out of Laban's house mightily blessed. But that's not how he went out of his father's house 20 years earlier. And although Jacob was supposed to inherit the birthright, from what we can see in scripture, as I've already alluded to, not a single thing Jacob ever owned came from his dad. It all was wealth accumulated while he was at his uncle Laban's house. As a matter of fact, the only real thing that Jacob ever got was from his father was a blessing. But this blessing ultimately was that Messiah would come from his loins. Because he said, in you shall all families of the earth be blessed, and you will inherit the blessing of your father Abraham. That was a Messiah. Remember when Jesus said, go out and preach the gospel to all nations? All nations are blessed by the gospel. That's the blessing that God intended for to be upon the earth through Israel. And that was really the only blessing he had. And so you might say that Jacob left his father's house with nothing but Jesus. But he came back full. Because if you've got Jesus, my friend, you've got all that you will ever need. We used to sing that song, as long as i got King Jesus, don't need nobody else. As long as I've got him, I don't have to have money in the bank. I don't have to, have, I don't have to be driving a $50,000 car and live in a quarter of a million dollar mansion. As long as i got Jesus, I've got all that I will ever need. And lastly, look at how Genesis records the death of Jacob in Genesis 49 and 33. And when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into his bed and yielded up the ghost and was gathered unto his people. I want to read this verse from the Amplified Bible. The Amplified Bible is my favorite version because it takes the words from the Hebrew and Greek and uses as many words in the English as is necessary to bring out the full meaning of that. So that's why it's called the Amplified And Listen to this. And when Jacob, Israel, had finished commanding his sons, he drew his feet into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people who had preceded him in death. So the idea is that, as Jesus alluded to in Luke chapter 16, that when you die, you go to be at this place. It was Abraham's bosom. He went to be with those that had gone on before with Abraham, his grandfather, with Isaac, his father. It carries a happy conclusion that Jacob left this earth to go with those who preceded him in death. But where do we find the story of Esau's death? Do you know, I actually searched for this because I was shocked because I wanted to contrast the two deaths. And do you know what? The Bible never records the death of Esau, which was really strange to me because the Bible does record the death of many wicked men. And many wicked kings. But when it comes to Esau, the Bible is just silent on it. The Bible talks about his sons and how many of his sons were princes. And it talked about how he was blessed in this life. But scripture never records, as far as I could find, the real death of Esau. It, it, It never records it. And so I thought long and hard about this. And the only answer I could come up with was this. That scripture does not record the death of Esau because the only portion he ever had was in this life. When Esau died, everything that he had died with him. All of his possessions, he didn't bring it to the grave. Nobody brings a U-Haul with them to the grave. But whenever Esau died, that was it. And my friend, God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. So it doesn't record the death of Esau. But the death of the righteous is precious in his eyes. According to the book of Psalms. And the Apostle Peter said it like this as we stand. First Peter 1 and verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Aren't you glad today that we are blessed beyond this life? Beyond anything that this life could ever afford, we are blessed. Let's lift our hands today, and let's thank God for that, that I'm blessed. I'm blessed to have the spirit of God in my life. I'm blessed to have his name and his mercy and his grace. Thank you, Jesus No inheritance for my father, Jesus. But You chose me, Lord. You lifted me out, Lord.